Welcome to I Must Break This Podcast. This is the fan podcast celebrating the cinematic career of action legend Dolph Lundgren. Hello and welcome back to I Must Break This Podcast. This is the fan podcast where we take an in-depth look at the films of action superstar Dolph Lundgren. Today we're taking a look at the 1994 sports drama action thriller thing, <laughs> Pentathlon. In this film, Lundgren plays Eric Broger, an East German Olympic athlete who defects to America in a desperate attempt to escape the clutches of his sadistic coach. Yet when his coach is able to track Eric down in America, Eric is forced to fight for both his freedom and his life. I'm your host, Sean Malloy, and joining me to discuss this movie today is fellow fan of action cinema, Mike Fury, author of the book Life of Action, Interviews with the Men and Women of Martial Arts and Action Cinema. Mike, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me today. <laughs> hey, Sean. Thanks so much, man. Thanks for the, for the good intro as well. Oh, hey, hey this <laughs> book, and like I, I'm looking at it right now. This book is awesome, and I'm just curious. Um, you obviously, it sounds like you and I were both raised on on these on these type of films, these action movies. And so, you, I, I love the fact that you were able to parlay this passion of yours into getting into contact with so many of these of these martial artists and actors, and conducting great interviews with them. I mean, this is this is a wonderful book. It's an extensive read, and I hope you're planning on doing a part two or a part three, even. Yeah, no, definitely. Thank you. It's really, really kind of you to say that. And yeah, I mean, I'm a huge action fan for sure. And, you know, it's made such a huge impact on me in my life. Um, definitely. And, you know, I think probably, you know, yourself as well, but also the people hopefully listening to the podcast, I'm sure they're, you know, fellow action fans and been really inspired by, you know, a range of different work, whether it's the American movies, the Hong Kong movies, um, and from all different eras, you know, modern movies back to sort of the 60s, 70s, 80s. So there's such a wealth of, of cool stuff out there. And yeah, it was just such a cool thing to do. And definitely part two is on the cards. I'm actually working on it right now. I'm about, as we speak, about probably oh, about maybe over halfway through, I think. Um, oh, cool. So I, ha I haven't I haven't announced too much yet, but actually I'm going to start announcing very soon some some things about the second book. So, yeah, it's 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 going well. Now, how did the idea for the book come about? I'm just curious. Oh, yeah, that's why I was going, going back a few years. Uh, well, I worked as a, I've, I've done many different things in film. I've worked actually as a, a fight coordinator and different aspects of, um, of productions. Um, but I've also worked as a journalist and then had the opportunity to write about movies or interview people. And just through, you know, conducting interviews or even chatting on set to, you know, friends of mine or people I know who are actors and filmmakers and so on, you know, just hearing so many good stories, as you can imagine, you hear, you know, all the, all the great kind of, anecdotes and things that go on behind the scenes some stories you know you'd know about some stories you would think wow that's really cool i never heard that before and it kind of gave me an idea of compiling all these stories into kind of like a saga um and i wanted to keep it really varied so i thought you know why just hear from actors when you can hear from the directors hear from the stunt people hear from different departments um and then it just became about you know yeah as, as you said earlier contacting tons of people some people fortunately i uh, had access to like people like Scott Adkins, who's a friend of mine. Um, and he was great because then, you know, it helps, it helps kind of grease the wheels in terms of, you know, you get him in the book, then you can kind of approach other people. And obviously some people are harder to get in touch with than others. Um, Dolph, our, <laughs> our, our man who obviously we're here to talk about today, he was, he was really hard to get because obviously he's a very, I mean, he's a, he's a 
big, big well-known guy, but he's also very busy. Uh, so that took a long time, but you know, we got there in the end and, um, yeah, no, it's just, it's just a, a an act of, I think, pig-headedness and perseverance, but we got there in the end. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, how long would you say it was in putting this entire thing together? I mean, just, I mean, looking at the thing, I mean, this, this book right here is well over, it's almost 400 pages actually. So I yeah. imagine this was, this was about what, two, three years in the making? Yeah. So the first book uh, took about three years. Um, a lot of that, I should add, it was an interesting process to go through because, you know, you can you can write or you can do different things. When you're doing something like this, there's a lot of other aspects involved in publishing and admin. And I, I did it on a very DIY level. So, for example, I wanted to use a lot of stills and pictures in the book, which is obviously important. I mean, film is, is a visual medium. So I wanted to use pictures. I wanted to use behind the scenes imagery to accompany it. Um, and because I did this in a kind of a DIY way, I didn't have a whole lot of people to help me. So I was then, you know, uh, having to basically source images, get release forms signed by producers and production companies and things like that. So obviously going through it the legal way, because it's different to putting something online. If somebody complains to you, you can just take it down. But if it's in a book, you know, you're in kind of more trouble potentially. Um, so you need to go about doing it the right way. Uh, but it took three years all in all. But all I'd say is a large part of that was probably the admin. So doing images and all this kind of stuff, which is really boring. You know, of course, it's fun to talk to Dolph. It's fun to talk to people um, and do the writing part. But the boring admin stuff was a, was a big thing as well. But I'm hoping to shave that time down a bit for the for the next one. What would you say was the most rewarding part about putting this entire the the entire project together uh the most rewarding i mean obviously it's a it's a fun thing to do and it's a cool thing to do but the, uh, an interesting thing i think when you go through any creative endeavor and i've heard this echoed back to me from people i've talked to is you know you can do something and you could think it's cool or you could be you know nervous or whatever but you never really know what people are going to say so you know um you know you, you it's going to, it's, it's going to, you know, it's going to hit a new audience and they're going to have their own opinions and their own thoughts in it. So there's kind of that anxiety there in a, in a way, you never know, you know, is this going to be well received? Cause I might think it's cool or interesting, or, you know, you go through periods of the ups and downs and you think, oh man, this sucks or I suck or whatever it is. Um, but the most rewarding was definitely people having such a positive reaction to it. And actually a lot of some, something that happened that I didn't really anticipate. I thought it would be a lot of fans and people that enjoy these movies reading the book, which obviously that did happen. But a lot of young actors, young stunt people or filmmakers contacting me and saying, wow, it's really inspired me. It's really, you know, I'm I'm struggling as a, a young actor, a young stunt person reading all these stories and from these guys really inspired me. Or even like uh, fathers buying them for their sons. Like my son's training up to be a stunt man and he's really excited and I got this for him and blah, blah, blah. That's, I thought that was so cool. And that was something that I never, I never anticipated. That is cool. Well, I, I have a little boy at home. Actually, I have a little girl and a, and a little boy. Uh, and yeah. I, I joke with my wife all the time that they are going to be raised on the films of Dolph Lundgren <laughs> yeah. and Scott Atkins yeah. and the Expendables. So, yeah, um, yeah. And, and, you know, with regard to Scott Atkins, I mean, Mr. Atkins, his, his filmography and just, you know, his, his body of work in itself could be a podcast because he, he's another he's another actor who I just have just the, the utmost respect and appreciation for. I actually just watched yeah. his film Accident Man um, a couple yeah. of weeks ago. And yeah, he, he is amazing. And it's it's kind of unfortunate that, I mean, he is still working in Hollywood, quite busy, actually. But, you know, it's it's a shame that he has not been given the the, the opportunity or the chances on the big screen here in the States yeah. yet. Yeah. But, but yet, you know. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, you know, he's going, he's got a good, 
a good mindset behind improving that. I think with things like Accident Man, which obviously he he's he's written uh, the movie, the screenplay adaptation of the um, adaptation of the um, of the comic and producing it, and you know, similar in a way, I guess, parallel to someone like Dolph, who's become more involved in filmmaking in later years. Um, and actually kind of forging their own path. Um, maybe Scott will direct too one day, you know, who knows? But it's an interesting way. These guys, I think, you know, when they're kind of maybe un- somewhat underappreciated in other movies a lot of the time, going about, you know, uh, developing their own projects is a, is, is a good way to change that. Well, you know, and I think with regard to Atkins, you know, he could easily, I mean, if, if there was a company, like, say, for example, Sony Screen Gems, you know, here in the States, if, if they wanted, they, they could make a small little film of about, you know, 15, 20 million, if that even, I, you know, I say small, but by yeah. Hollywood standards and give him a shot. I think everyone would be pleasantly surprised because he has charisma. He has the skills. You know, I, I honestly think that he could, he could actually surprise and wow a lot of, yeah. a lot yeah. of people. Um, but, you know, he, he is still young and he is still extremely hungry. So yeah, yeah. He, he still has plenty of time. Yeah, there's time. And, you know, it's sometimes these things, they take a lot of time. I mean, you know, you get, yeah, you might be working in the business 20, 30 years and, you know, it's suddenly, I mean, look at, you know, there's older actors out there even working in Hollywood now, somebody like Josh Brolin, who's, you know, I'm a big fan of, and he's kind of become, um, I think he's come much more into his own in the past few years, but you look back at his filmography, he's been around for years. He's been doing, you know, stuff for a very long time. And then sometimes it takes a while for the Hollywood machine to kind of catch up, which is yeah. a shame, but at least, at least it happens down the road. Now, with regard to because this show, this we you know we look at the the filmography of Dolph Lundgren, and so I'm curious, yeah. how about Dolph Lundgren? Where what have, what have always been your feelings regarding regarding him as an actor, as an action superstar? Where has he always ranked among your personal hierarchy of action stars yeah. uh, in terms of your favorites? Yeah, I think um, it's an interesting one because he's. Pl- I mean, obviously, this is the thing with Dolph. He's a he's clearly a very he's a very intelligent guy, a very smart guy. Um, he's a he's a good actor. He's an underrated actor, um, and he's met, he's had some good opportunities film wise. You know, we you've talked in I think past episodes. Obviously, we'd have to talk about Rocky Four, but you know, even Showdown in Little Tokyo and, and um, Universal Soldier and other movies that um, that really sh- he has the opportunity and the platform to showcase himself um, in the best way, and that's great. And some of the other films later in his career, I, I just don't think they served him as well in terms of his his physical performance and his acting performance. So for him to have the opportunity now to be directing and developing his own movies, I think is a, is a big step in the right direction because he's actually got better as an actor, as a lot of these guys do, you know, Van Damme and these other guys as well. Um, but I, you know, I rank him highly. I mean, obviously he's a very accomplished martial artist as well. He's a good actor. He's a good writer and filmmaker. So, you know, I, that's not a that's not a common skill set among among the action guys. You know, obviously somebody like Stallone is probably considered at the top level um but you know people like Dolph you know he's definitely up there well and the film that we're talking about today pentathlon you know I I don't know if you've seen um any any of the original scripts or what the original story was supposed to be for this film I haven't actually no yeah but it actually it turned out much different than what than the project that Lundgren had initially signed on for it had a much bigger budget than what they ended up shooting with the story was much different. So as we watch the film, we're going to be, we're going to be getting into it about how it it plays, unfortunately a little silly, but I can't help but wonder if it was films like Pentathlon that made Dolph decide to go in and start directing his own films. Because, you know, if you look at, um, you know, when he did the defender and when he did command performance, he had creative control over, 
those projects. And th those are some of his best films, especially in that later, mm -hmm. in this later part of his career. So I can't help but wonder if he looked at experiences like Pentathlon and he said, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be the, in control of this one because I don't want another Pentathlon on, you know, <laughs> on my plate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, the film Pentathlon, I mean, this is, ah, boy. This is a bizarre film. I mean, it really is. It, it, it doesn't know what it wants to be. And I think that is one of the yeah. biggest problems with it. Uh, you know, it wants to be a sports drama. It also wants to be a political thriller. It also wants to be an action adventure because it does yeah, have yeah. Lundgren in the lead role. But before yeah. we fully get into it, I'm curious, when did you first see Pentathlon? <clears throat> yeah, so, I mean, yeah, it's, it's funny. I'm sure we're going to have we're gonna have things to say on kind of both sides of the fence about the movie. But I actually have kind of a soft spot for this movie because I do think I think it's kind of got a got a bit of a hard, hard rap over the years. Um, and it's very it's a very different kind of movie for Dolph, which is I think it's a, something that makes it stand apart. You know, you can't you, you certainly can't forget it. I think you'd remember watching it. Um, and if it was on TV and you flicked over and you saw it, you'd, you'd remember, oh, yeah, yeah it's this one. Um, you know, it, it definitely stands apart in his in his filmography. Um, the first time I saw it, I have to actually say, I remember seeing it on the video shelf back in the good old VHS days. Um, and it's one of the ones I, I, I'm a bit guilty to say now, I never actually, I never was seeking out and I never watched it. And it was just the, the cover and the, the title didn't really appeal to me. And I still think, I mean, I don't think today, if they made this movie now, I don't think Pentathlon would be the title of the the movie it's not a very sexy action movie kind of title and i think as i recall the old the old video cover had like him with his hands in the air winning a medal it's like what is this it's not an action movie it doesn't look like an action movie so for that reason it didn't really resonate with me when i saw that so i think the first time i saw it was on dvd sometime later and now more, more recently i got the blu-ray uh so i was able to kind of revisit it and watch it again but yeah i think that's that's my that's my history with the movie how about you Mine was actually quite similar. I, I saw this on the video store shelves, which is that that, that is an era that I, I miss wholeheartedly. But yeah, but yeah I, I saw it on the video store shelves. And I remember what attracted me to the cover was if because it's interesting you said that the version that you saw in the UK was him with his hands in the air and everything, which probably makes a little more sense considering the context of the film. But here in the States, the image that they use, they used a stock image of Lundgren from Universal Soldier. And so okay. it is it is his face, you know, when he played Andrew Scott, obviously he's not wearing the goggle uh, piece yeah. over his eye or anything like that. But it is, an, it is an image of him from Universal Soldier and superimposed on that image of him is also a gold medal. And it says, you know, yeah. Dolph Lundgren pentathlon. And it, it has the tagline, I believe, is something along the lines of play to win. If you lose, you die. Something yeah. along yeah. those lines. And so what attracted it to me, because like I said, I I was a Lundgren fan. But I saw it and I, I initially thought, is this another Universal Soldier movie? Because like I said, it was, yeah, yeah. That, it was using that same image. So that's yeah. how I first saw it. And, you know, we, we talked about this on the last episode. You know, when Lundgren did Universal Soldier with, with Jean-Claude Van Damme, Jean-Claude Van Damme afterwards became the, became the golden boy for Universal Pictures. He became their go-to action guy. And it's just unfortunate that the follow-up films that Lundgren had after Universal Soldier was he did Army of One, which didn't get a, a fair shake here in the States. And then he did Pentathlon, which also was dumped to home video. And like you said, it's just such a shame because Universal Soldier is such a pinnacle of the action genre. But if you ask anybody about that film, the number one thing that they are going to remember is Dolph Lundgren in that film because he is just yeah. such an amazing villain. Yeah. 
definitely. I love Universal Soldier. It's probably one of my favorite action films to this day. Oh, mine too, mine too. And so, yeah, it's it's, it's unfortunate that he had films like this that did not did not resonate or did not click with with audiences. Yeah. And you know, the the fact that the matter is, you know, it was films like these that producers and distributors just did not want to um take the gamble on, you know, because they they in their mind they thought, well, Lundgren is he's not the best uh he's not going to sell very well because audiences are not going to buy him as a hero. So, you know, cuz audiences know him mostly as a villain, which on one hand I guess that kind of makes sense, but again, I don't know, it, it might have worked, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so, but yeah, the the film like I said that we're discussing Pentathlon it is an interesting one, and I know that this was not your your first <laughs> when I contacted you. I know that this wasn't yeah. your first film to do, but I do appreciate you coming on and taking the time to discuss this one because this is this is a bit of a hard film to find. I mean, this is this is one of the only films in Lundgren's filmography that is not available on DVD, at least here in the states. I know that you mentioned that you picked up the Blu-ray, but I yeah. could not even find this thing to rent digitally, and so yeah, my okay. copy. I have a DVD copy that um, was burned for me from uh, from okay. overseas from Europe. But yeah, this one this oh, one is hard to find. I don't think many people really know about it, and it, it, yeah. it is unfortunate because you can tell it does have some it does have some cool things going for it. Yeah, that's interesting that you mentioned that because I can tell you. So I've got the uh, the Blu-ray release. There's a UK Blu-ray release from Anchor Bay. Uh, so you might you know you might might be able to pick that up uh, on Amazon or something like that. It's um it's a good transfer. It looks the movie looks good. It's like a it's a boring kind of bare bones release. You know, it's just there's nothing. It's just a, maybe a trailer, I think. But it's good. It's cool to see it on uh on Blu-ray, and it looks it's it's kind of it's a very when you watch it again on Blu-ray in the kind of the mod I guess a modern mindset, it's a very what we'd say you know cheesy kind of like bored. You know, it's 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 nineties, but it's like late eighties, early nineties style of cheesy action film it has that yeah. kind of vibe and the music and everything but no it's cool to watch if you if you get a chance to to see it on blu-ray i'd recommend it now i'm curious did you know much about the the olympic event the pentathlon before watching this film because i i'll display my ignorance right now i had no idea that oh, yeah. this was even an olympic event so <laughs> yeah well no i didn't i didn't um and you know i think if we're interested we'll get more into this but i guess um it was it was it was timed wasn't it to, to as a kind of a promotional in a way a weird another weird angle to it, a promotional movie for the pentathlon is that right i'm right to say that yeah and if if i understand yeah. it correctly i guess um you know this this project was ne very near and dear to lundgren and so mm -hmm. by doing this film i guess it got him in contact with the us pentathlon team and so yeah, yeah. he was he was working with them, I guess, monitoring, monitoring their exercising regimen and their diets, et cetera. It was his goal to kind of bring through this film as well to kind of bring the sport into the mainstream. And I think he has since, you know, he's been actually working. I don't think he's do, doing it extremely diligently every day, but he has been since this film was made still trying to get the get the sport get the event um make it relevant and in the public conscious because i know uh, about four or five years ago he did a couple um a couple little videos on youtube trying to trying to get the event um known to the, to, to the u.s yeah what's it what's interesting and i've read this in an interview from him as well um usually a lot of these guys of course they're training for the movie you think about you know in the gym lifting weights fight scenes this kind of stuff with him he was training with olympic athletes but for the sporting events in the movie so um these and this just to clarify for ourselves um 
the events. Yeah. So within the pentathlon, it's fencing, shooting, swimming, horseback riding and running. So he did right. a lot of those types of sports um, as in prep for the movie, I guess, more for the role. And I mean, of, of course, he's in great shape in the movie. He looks good in the movie. I'm sure that helped. Um, and you get the kind of interesting, there's an interesting shot in the beginning is I think it's the introductory shot of him where it pans up as on, on the diving board of the swimming pool in his, um, in his speedos from his legs, like panning upwards. Um, and yeah, for, for his the introductory to introduction to his, to his character, uh, competing in the, in the swim race. Um, but yeah, he did by all accounts, he did a lot of that type of training. And so, yeah, it doesn't surprise me to hear that is very, very near and dear to his heart based on the amount he put into it. Well, no, yeah, exactly. You're, you're exactly right. You know, the, the, the Olympic sport of the pentathlon, you know, if, if we go back a bit, it kind of makes sense that Dolph would, would pick this role to, to play. Because, you know, if you think about it, he got his start playing Ivan Drago. And Ivan Drago in the film Rocky IV was kind of labeled and sold as being the ultimate athletic specimen. And so with him, you know, being this pentathlete, it's kind of playing with that same notion of him being the ultimate athlete. Because like you said, the pentathlon, it's athletes compete in five events. You know, like you said, the swimming, the pistol shooting, the horseback riding, the fencing, the running. So it's all these well-rounded events, you know, pretty much the ultimate athlete. And so I liked the fact that it was kind of going back to that similar idea of Ivan Drago, only this time he is much more human. He's not as robotic um, as, as he was as he was as Ivan Drago. And, you know, yep. in, in Rocky IV, Ivan Drago was, you know, being injected with all sorts of muscle enhancers and steroids and things of that nature. There's even the scene where Lundgren is saying, no, I'm not taking these drugs. I'm going to do this naturally. <laughs> yeah. That 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 yeah. is me. Uh, so <laughs> I did, I did appreciate yeah, yeah. that about it. Yeah, definitely. And it's, um, yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? His fellow athletes, the German team, they're using drugs or being encouraged to do it. And he's kind of, he definitely seems to fall more on the on the fence uh, in terms of you know his his kind of his love for the West and his support for the American team and wanting to be more like them. And I guess in that yeah, it's kind of it's it contrasts a lot with the type of ideology or character shown in Rocky Four, isn't it? He this guy wants to go to America, and obviously that's where he subsequently ends up in the story. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And you know, like we said, it 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 is it is it is a difficult film to you know to pick apart just because like i said it doesn't know exactly what it wants to be but there are a couple things about it that were hurting it in the production phase this thing was tampered with uh you know exponentially in in the production phase and where the mm -hmm. script changed just days before filming so what we see on screen this is not the film that lundgren had signed on for and so if you take a look at the at the initial script or the overall uh original story for the film it is much different it, it is clearly it is much more uh, big budget has has more ideas going for it and so that is one of the things that hurt it and one of the other things that you know is a discredit to the film is the director of the film the director of this film was bruce malmuth and bruce malmuth i i feel kind of bad for this guy because he's always He's always he's since passed, but he never really had the best reputation in Hollywood. He was typically labeled as being incompetent. And I know he did Hard to Kill with Steven Seagal. I know yep. Steven Seagal had some issues with him. He did Nighthawks back in the early 80s with Stallone, and yep. that caused some issues as well. And so Pentathlon was no different. I guess he and Lundgren were arguing and fighting quite a bit on set. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a shame to him. I mean, that's a, you know good movies to have on your cv nighthawks and hard to kill but um and this was actually his last film i think as well because he well he i mean it was it was i think around maybe 10 or 11 years before he died but it's obviously the last film he actually directed so 
I don't know, maybe he'd had enough of the process by that time as well. Yeah, and I guess when he was filming Pentathlon, he thought that he was making this big, epic, you know, grandiose production that, you know, is, is <laughs> you kind of look at the film and you think, yeah. really? That's what he was going for. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess there was, it was quite, it was pretty hostile on set. And I guess even the actress, uh, Renee Coleman, who plays the love interest for, for Lundgren later on in the film, she did not do much. And I guess this was one of the films that unfortunately was the catalyst in causing her to, to leave the business. Yeah, yeah. I mean, another interesting thing you notice, if you go back and look at the opening credits of the movie, um, it lists, um, it lists Dolph alongside the other main producer, I believe his name is Martin, Martin Kahn. It's a Martin Kahn, Dolph Lundgren production. And right. I mean that, you know, alongside what well, actually maybe even preceding or just right before or after um, Bruce Malmuth and his, you know, Bruce Malmuth film, you get the sense that, yeah, it feels like it's a Dolph Lundgren production or he's at least listed up there. And maybe that's again, the start of him trying to put his stamp on this as a movie that he's taking charge of and being more in control of. And obviously that, Based on what you just said, that may not have happened in the yeah. ultimate, you know, finished picture, but it's an interesting step towards that. Yeah, no, exactly. And, you know, and the film opens up to, you know, the, the opening shots of the film, I do enjoy, you know, it opens to these children who are being raised to be athletic prodigies. And Eric Broker, who that is Dolph Lundgren's character, um, he is one of these one of these children. And we're also introduced to his coach, uh, Mueller, who is played by David Soul, who I, I have to I have to laugh at, at this at this casting choice because let's face it david soul is probably best known as hutch from the television show yeah, starsky yeah. and hutch um as bizarre as it is seeing him turn up in this i will i will give soul some credit he is doing a competent job his accent is a little shaky at times but he does a decent enough job playing this sleazy coach i mean he's extremely sleazy who is living vicariously through his prize pupil eric brogar yeah yeah Actually, that scene is quite it's a bit weird in the beginning, isn't it? Where he's like hitting the kids and <laughs> brutalizing the kids who, you know, and, and, and yeah, and it, it goes to show, I guess, that the kind of the tough, the tough upbringing for, um, for, for, for the Eric character, for Dolph's character. But then what, you know, I, I, I don't know how you felt about this. And I felt this when I rewatched it recently. There seems to be, I mean, maybe there's a lot cut from the movie and you could probably comment on this more from, from knowing the full script. Um, when we see these early flashbacks to basically him being a bit of a nasty guy through to suddenly Dolph not wanting anything to do with him and then obviously ultimately fleeing and running away, it all seems quite quick. We, we haven't witnessed a lot of like bad treatment. I mean, Dolph's like had enough and wants to go. Is there, is there more context there? Do you know in the, in the previous versions? Well, yes, actually the whole, the whole angle of the psychotic coach wasn't even really in the initial, in the initial story, yeah. the initial script. It was pretty much Lundgren taking on the, um, the, the Stasi, the, you know, the, the German security yeah. who were, um, you know, in charge of the, of the German Olympic, the German Olympic team. And so it's yeah. pretty much him, you know, fleeing to America and them on his tail and him just trying to. Yeah find his freedom and so the film ends where you know the, the, it, i'll have to email you later on the the initial uh, outline the initial script but yeah the, it ends okay. with a with the speedboat chase and lundgren is in wow. the woods and he is able to use you know all of his pentathlon training skills to kind of defend himself i mean it it really is, it has some cool ideas going with it but yeah the whole angle of of this coach of the you know sadistic coach was was not in the initial script that was not that was not the yeah. plan I will say that it was a slightly unique aspect of the film that I did appreciate. Um, I, I think the idea of a psychotic coach 
who is pushing his star athlete, you know, to the brink of his the brink of his own insanity is a pretty clever idea, especially when, you know, if you read the headlines, if you look in the news, you always hear about these coaches and parents, these grown adults, mind you, who are losing their own sanity and pushing, you know, these these athletes, many times children to the limits. And so I thought that was an interesting, uh, you know, unique little aspect. I'm not going to yeah. say that the film was ahead of its time, <laughs> you know, and touching upon yeah. that. But, but, you know, here in the States, we always hear about, you know, a, uh, a, a, a high school coach or, you know, some parents who got into, you know, a huge altercation on the sidelines, you know, at, at this event. Yeah. And now, granted, Lundgren's character, this is the Olympics, you know, the, the pinnacle of athletic achievement. But I, I do kind of I think the the idea of the, you know, the, the coach who has gone completely off the rails is a. It, it it's a unique, it's an interesting, you know, angle for them to know. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And he goes to he goes to quite extreme lengths. Uh, I think if we, if we we remember rightly, stopping Eric trying to flee, and they they even get into a shootout in the middle of the airport, <laughs> and yeah. um, it goes quite intense. And then, of course, later, I think if you know, as if the character of um, David Soul, you know, can't get any worse, he turns out to be uh, like a Nazi terrorist. So <laughs> things go from bad to worse. And that, that is one of the, one of the problems with the film is yeah, he, he to, to make his character just as evil and as cruel as possible. It's almost like in the, you know, last phase of pre-production right before camera was rolling, they decided, you know what? He's German. He's evil. Let's just make him a neo-Nazi. And that is yeah. one of the angles that just doesn't entirely work with the, <laughs> with the film. So, yeah. well, it kind of sets up, I guess, like like we were saying, this kind of segmented aspect of the film. When you get into that, um, the kind of action terrorist last act, it kind of, I guess, fuel, it, it serves to fuel that ultimately. Yeah, it does. You know, but I will say with Lundgren, um, he is doing a good job in this role. I mean, he is doing a decent yeah. job with that German accent. And, you know, I mean, you, you really, I mean, I don't, when I see him on screen in this role, I don't look at him as being a bad guy. He is, you know, he can tell, you can tell he's a little bit vulnerable and he, his character is, is attracted to the idea of America and wants to go to America. And so I can see that when, when I read and when I hear that this was a passion project for Lundgren, you know, some of these opening scenes, it does make sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, and it's 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 kind of yeah. It's I, I like that there's some humor in there as well. Like you remember, there's a, there's an early scene where when he has to get past the the Korean guards at the um, at the stadium, and he writes down some some I'm sure everyday American phrases. Like I literally wrote this down just for my own reference. He writes down a note to himself, which it shows on camera. Hey, dude, what's shaking, man? Right. And he uses that <laughs> to get past the guards. So there's some there's some humor in there, which you know, which which works well, I think. So yeah, and when the when we first meet the the character of Eric Rogar Lundgren, you know, like you said, we we see that the relationship between he and his coach Mueller is not that great. This is at the uh, 1988 Olympics in uh, Seoul, South Korea, and this is where this is where the budget constraints are widely evident on the film because we have some stock footage and the medal ceremony. I mean, this is the Olympic medal ceremony. And the scene is pretty is pretty lacking. I mean, a real Olympic ceremony, I would imagine, would be significantly bigger. And so, yeah, you can tell that this is where the constraints on the budget are starting to hit the film's production pretty significantly yeah. in these scenes. Yeah, and there's a lot of scenes like that. I mean, you kind of, I don't know, you you might look at it as quite endearing now. There's some scenes like some of this, some of the you know the Olympic events he's taking part in, and it literally looks like 
it's like some guys running around the field with a few spectators, literally <laughs> like it could be a, lo- a local, like a local town marathon run. Um, right. Who knows? Maybe at some parts of the, of the track, it, it was like that. I don't know, but um, yeah, you, you can probably see, see the budget restraints there, uh, constraints, but you know, it's, it's kind of, I don't know, it becomes, some of those aspects become quite endearing, I think, when you when you look back on a film like this. Well, and I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, it is endearing because, you know, especially for me watching this when I first saw it when I was younger, you know, Lundgren, you know, he, he was my hero. He was one of my favorites because I grew up on him, you know, as as I my, my first time seeing him on screen was he was playing my my childhood hero, He-Man. And so as I progressed into, you know, middle school and high school, I was a I was a swimmer and a cross country runner. So seeing Lundgren in these scenes swim in the pool and you know and running on the track and everything it was like you know i, I felt a uh a, a linkage to <laughs> to to his character right. so that's one of the things that i appreciated and that i was endeared by yeah yeah definitely and i i think an interesting part of the movie and something that sets it apart is um you know often you you get these kind of fish out of water stories and the guys then you know make the make the trip to america or wherever the place is and obviously within this story he wants to go to america he's so super keen to go and he even flees and gets into a lot of trouble as a result but when he actually gets there it's really hard on him and he hits rock bottom and needs to then transform himself again we see him smoking and drinking and all this stuff and i i don't know if maybe you know there's some commentary there on like you know it's the, the grass is always green on the other side or you know maybe a commentary on this idea of the american dream or whatever it is but it's 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 kind of interesting that he goes from being a star in his, you know, in his kind of in his home country, in his home environment, which he doesn't like. He wants to go to this other place. He goes there and it doesn't, it's not all it's cracked up to be, basically. Exactly. And this is, you know, so that's the second act of the film. And this is, I feel yeah, like yeah. the second act of the film is probably the most disjointed in the entire film. Um, yeah, like you said, he he's attracted to the idea of America. He even trades jackets with this American athlete. He catches the attention yeah. of the character of Julia Davis, uh, played by Renee Coleman. So he is able to escape. I, I do find it a little humorous that when he does escape, I mean, it's a massive shootout at the airport and we don't really find out entirely what happens to the German guards who were chasing him. And I would think, I mean, this would be a, a national, excuse me, an international incident that it just kind of gets kind of glossed over. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. And no, there's no, um, I, I remember there's no guards. There's no like, police descending on the scene or anything it's like literally there's a shootout in the middle of the airport he flees and then actually i think david soul then leaves the airport you know he's then going to go kind of i guess pursue you know how he's gonna how he's gonna how he's gonna catch up to eric and ultimately find him but then as soon as he leaves the airport then a couple of guards like kind of just ask him for his id so it's like they haven't heard the shooting they haven't heard anything that's happened (laughs) but you know it's just it's yeah it's just one of those things i guess take it with a pinch of salt and i guess in the initial script for the film we see actually Lundgren starts out the film. He's he's semi-retired from the from the pentathlon events. We see in the opening shots, we see a flashback, I guess, of him. You know, um, I'm, I'm assuming they would have done this over the opening titles, I would think. But yeah, we see him in all these events. But when the film officially opens, he is retired. He is known as being this this athlete who has defected to America. And it's pretty much his past that is kind of coming to catch up with him. And he's having to yeah. rely on these old skills. Um, I, I like that idea ten times better. It's a shame they didn't they didn't go with that angle because yeah. as much as much as I appreciate Lundgren in this role, I will say that these scenes of him competing as this Olympic athlete, it's believable and I definitely buy it. But on the other hand, I, I kind of wonder if maybe 
he is slightly slightly old, I, I guess, <laughs> to, to buy him as being yeah. a uh, as as being this superb Olympic athlete. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think he's he looks maybe he in a way he looks young enough, and he's obviously he's he's got the physique and he's trained and he looks he looks believable uh, in the athletic role. Maybe maybe that gives him a pass. I don't know. I guess that that's up 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 for debate. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, but he goes, <laughs> he goes to America and we see a year later, the Berlin wall collapses. He's in a bar and he, he sees, you know, footage of the Berlin wall collapsing and Eric begins feeling remorse. He feels like a traitor for defecting from his country and coming to America. And I, I like this scene. I, I, I do because it, it makes sense. And we get to see, we get to see Lundgren doing some, doing some real acting. He has an outburst in a bar. Julia leaves him. He becomes an alcoholic as a result, like you said, where he is smoking and working as a as a short order cook at a hamburger stand. One of the things I think is a little problematic, but I I do like these things. Yeah, yeah. And it shows it's a different side. It's the kind of breakdown. Uh, One thing that always bugs me about these types of scenes, uh, and it's not just in this movie, in a lot of movies is um, obviously within the context of the movie, we're seeing this when he, he basically is supposed to, you know, he takes uh takes a, a dive off the deep end. He's not training. He's smoking. He's drinking. But his physique never changes. Uh, I wish that I could not train and maintain a good physique. Like he looks, he still always looks ripped. He's walking around smoking his cigarette and drinking. Um, but obviously, you know, he he doesn't change. His physical state doesn't change. It'll, I know I'm not expecting him to get fat for the role and then have to get back in shape. Uh, no. But it'll be funny. I don't know if something like that happens. Yeah, no, he is still built. I mean. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, like you said, I yeah. mean, it, it is amazing. Um, and one of the other character traits about him that I think is kind of humorous is we know that he has hit absolute rock bottom because he carries around a portable TV with him to work each and every <laughs> yeah. day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's funny. But I like actually one thing about this part of the movie, uh, the character um, he he befriends, he becomes um, friends with, um, you know, they, they I think they have a good chemistry. This is... Um, this is the character of, of Crease, John Crease, played by Roger Mosley. Um, I think there's some quite nice chemistry there. And this is the guy that, of course, he buys him, uh, he buys him the, sh- the running shoes and they kind of start training together and he gets him back into it. It's funny that there's a, there's a scene in the beginning, I think, when he first discovers, accidentally discovers that, um, Eric was this big athlete back home. He kind of thinks like, wow, I think he actually says, like, I hit the jackpot. Like, right. this is kind of a sinister. He's going to make some money off of this. But as, as it turns out, they actually become they're good friends and you know, they train together. And that's, that's a nice, a nice angle, I think. And this is where, this is where the film really, for me, shifts tones and storylines entirely. Now, I will say, if we look at, yeah. again, looking at the original script and the original idea that Lundgren had signed on for, um, the, 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 yeah. this, this whole angle, the whole idea of Crease and him working at Crease's restaurant, cooking hamburgers, this was not in the original script at all. Yeah. Um, having said that, though, I, I, I like you do. Like you said, I, I do appreciate it. I, I feel that um, we have some great character dynamics between between Eric and and the character of Crease. But yeah, the film shifts tones and storylines completely, and this is where it becomes extremely disjointed because at this point in the yeah. film, the film becomes this underdog trying to reclaim glory story, which is fine. Yeah if that is what the entire film was going to be. You know, I, I would have no problem yeah, if yeah. this is what the film is going to be. Basically, Lundgren and Kreese training, and he's trying to get back onto his feet and, you know, you know, win the gold again. I'd have no problem with that. But it seems like in the, the third act of the film, they drop this angle and they bring the character of Mueller back in. And it just, I mean, mm-hmm. the whole thing really falls apart. And it, it's really distracting. 
Yeah, yeah. And then it kind of, I guess, yeah, kicks back in when uh, Mueller comes back. He he arrives in, um, he's raised in America, but he, I think he teams up with one of, um, one of Eric's former teammates who is more willing to work with him. And they've got this, the, the Nazi, uh, their, their Nazi, you know, evil plans going on. And, um, and it's kind of like, yeah, he's kind of this, this, uh, this obsession with finding Eric, which is kind of weird. You'd think he, maybe he'd just want to pursue his own, you know, his own ideologies, his own mission, but he's actually very interested in Eric. So that's where they, where, where would their worlds collide once again? Which again, I, I would have no problem with that storyline if the yeah, film yeah. was a hundred percent that storyline, but no, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. It yeah. can't, the, the film cannot be both. It cannot be, you know, yeah. coach trying to track Eric down and, you know, them having this, this feud with one another. And then it also can't be, you know, London befriending the, 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 the manager or the owner, excuse me, of the hamburger stand and them trying to yeah. get back on tap. It, the, these yeah. two, it, it's two different movies. It's two different uh, uh, stories yeah. Yeah. that just can't go together. Yeah. And I honestly feel that I, I have to wonder if in production, I think the, one of the problems with the film is that it stars Dolph Lundgren. It's almost like as if producers knew this at the 11th hour, recognized this and decided to throw in these requisite action sequences and suddenly make it a Dolph Lundgren picture again, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's, you know, that's the other thing is uh, a notable thing about the movie. And I think a, a criticism that a lot of people have, if you read some reviews and like hear what people say, being, I guess, being a Dolph Lundgren movie and having certain expectations of what that means. There's obviously a lot, there's uh it's quite lacking in action. There's a lot of drama. There's a lot of character stuff. There's not actually a lot of action scenes, um, which isn't, I don't think that's, necessarily a bad thing but as you say yeah. if there's the the disjointed nature of the rest of the movie that then affects it but what i do what i do like is how some of like we talked about maybe this was more um more embedded in the original script but you know he's able to utilize some of his athletic skills in the some of the fight scenes so for example there's the there's a fencing fight where <laughs> it looks quite weird to have him fighting in the in the woods uh with with a with a, a bad guy and they're actually using fencing swords it's like the three musketeers kind of thing um but you know yeah it's um it would have been cool to maybe have him yeah do some i don't know have a horse fight or have a, a swim fight or have some some other some other uh interesting spins on the action but um yeah it's it's kind of like i guess shoehorned into a certain extent and then sad brutality to uh was it to his father his father gets killed um his girlfriend's father gets attacked and that uh crease our friend crease gets uh gets attacked not to give too many spoilers but it's like there's a lot of violence inflicted on people around Dolph at other scene you know during other scenes in the film which again does not work because if you look at these the second <laughs> act of the film you know we have some comedy thrown in i mean some of it is unintentional but let's <laughs> just yeah, admit yeah. that right now but um a lot of it is intentional you know we have the scene where you know crease is is training is training Eric and, you know, they, they give him a big salad that he's supposed to eat, you know, and it's, you know, it's comical, yeah. you know, we have the, the other scene where Kreese is speaking to his girlfriend or his wife and he's talking about how, you know, he's planning on getting all these endorsement deals and everything. I mean, and so, yeah, for it to go from that all of a sudden to, you know, again, Mueller is this neo-Nazi planning this, uh, this political assassination. And yeah, th there's a lot of carnage and a lot of shootouts and it, it doesn't work. You know, it, it, yeah, yeah. it just doesn't, it just doesn't gel, but yeah, Eric is able to rekindle his romance with Julia. I thought this was a little comical. Mm -hmm. Julia just floats back into the film after she, you know, yeah. she leaves Eric at the bar at his, you know, at his meltdown when he's watching the, the Berlin wall collapse and he's able to just 
rekindle this romance with her right away after he wins this fe- this fencing match with the top contender, thus allowing Brogar to take the next slot for the U.S. pentathlon team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know that that felt it felt kind of weird and. It's unfortunate that the, if these guys had had more opportunity to have a chemistry and things on screen, because I think early in the early in the film it works, but later there's too much too much of a gap is left. Yeah. That I I mean I personally wasn't really bothered about her story. If there's like a B story involving her, I was more interested in what he's doing with Crease or what's happening with with Mueller, you know, this kind of stuff. So that didn't didn't really sit right with me. The kind of the boyfriend girlfriend aspect. Well, and some of these scenes of them because basically. She, Eric is able to escape to Julia's father's home in the woods is where a lot of the action happens. Mm -hmm. And we have this, it's not so much a love scene, but it's a, it's supposed to be a sweet romantic scene between Lundgren and, uh, and Renee Coleman is the actress's name, but they're under the waterfall. And again, it, it doesn't doesn't work. It's just so unintentionally laughable just watching it. Yeah. Yeah. And you've got, I thought what you were going to say, there's a scene, Dolph's kind of, is the, well, I shouldn't say Dolph. It's the character of Eric has kind of got a bit of a creepy, a creepy aspect to to that scene in some places. Um, but yeah, it's kind of I guess it adds to the charm. In, in some of these cases, if it was a single scene in an otherwise perfect film, it might be more jarring. But when you get you know it's it's a somewhat disjointed film with some good aspects and with some like less polished aspects. I don't know. You kind of in, you, I think you end up sitting back and just kind of enjoying it for what it is. If that if that doesn't sound too too much kind of admitting defeat. Well, and I, I'm assuming that you're referring to the scene where he is faking an injury and telling her that it is lower, lower, lower on his body, right? Yeah, there's that. And there's, <laughs> yeah, it is kind of like a bit cringe, but it's uh, it's funny, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Now, going back to the whole relationship with, with Lundgren and Kreese, were you like me at all? And were you just, okay, so Kreese sees Eric Brogar as being his, as being his ticket you know, into, into the big time where they can get, like he says, these endorsement deals and everything. But I thought it was, I thought it was humorous. I don't really know how the, the Olympics and, you know, the trials and all, all those things work, but I just find it a little, a little humorous that Crease apparently has the connections and the, and the wherewithal to know how to sign Eric up and where these trials are going to be and to get Eric in them. I, I, I thought that was a little, that was a bit of a head scratcher for me, how he was able yeah. to, <laughs> to get him signed up yeah. so easily. Yeah, no. Yeah, I mean, no, that's that's absolutely true. I mean, I probably didn't, I didn't look actually identify that aspect uh, probably as much as much as you did. But no, you're completely right. But I saw it as you know, when th- there are some training scenes between the two where um, obviously they start off running together, and Crease is like timing him and letting him, you know, kind of giving him like time trials effectively for his for his sprints. And then it, I, I guess to me that signified that. They're te- he's testing him for times for to qualify for certain races and that kind of thing. So there's it felt to me like there's a little bit of that that they he he maybe whether we didn't see it on screen he's researched it he knows that there's certain times and certain um, criteria he has to meet in order to enter. But it obviously skipped a lot of it and just fast tracked us to him entering races and and then reclaiming his his place as an athlete in America. And like you said, these and again. I will I will plead my ignorance entirely. I, I don't know entirely um, how how Olympic trials and all the all of these um, the entry into the Olympics go. But yeah, the fencing match that he enters into it just like you said earlier. It just it, it's apparently in a big field with a few spectators. You know, yeah. <laughs> I, I do have to laugh about yeah. that. 
I think there's a lot, a lot of the scenes uh, involving the sports events, and even at the ends, not not to skip around too much, but you know, there's the the final. It's it's kind of it's a peace supposed to be a peace talk, isn't it, on TV? Um, any scenes involving this? Any any scene involving scale seems very scaled back. Um, but same thing for the sports events; they seem very low key, considering what they're supposed to be. So um, I don't know what you can really say about that, other than. The fact that they clearly lacked people to be in the scene. <laughs> uh, yeah, a few more extras might have been nice. But yeah, yeah, yeah. we find out that Mueller, you know, the, the dastardly Mueller, has become a member of the neo-Nazi party. He is making his way to America and plotting his revenge against Eric. Once in America, Mueller hires one of his German athletes who used to compete with Eric. Uh, he hires one of these German athletes to assassinate Eric on the beach. And this is probably one of the most hilariously unintentional scenes ever put together on film. We <laughs> we have Eric and Julia yeah. uh, running on the beach, training on the beach, just having having a good time. And this assassin is riding on a bicycle, and he's planning on uh, <laughs> he's planning on shooting Lundgren. Lundgren is able to see this, you know, from a mile away. He kicks the bikes. We have a little bit of an action sequence, but it comes off just you know pretty pretty laughable watching it because he kicks him into the sand and you know the, the assassin loses his gun in the sand and is is freaking out i will say it right now i i feel like mueller and his and his team of, of neo-nazis plotting this 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 assassination attempt they have to be probably the most incompetent villains <laughs> that i've ever yeah. seen yeah and it's good but it's you know look at eric he's able to jump into action i don't even know at this point if he's aware that there's hitmen after him and there's you know a lot of bad stuff brewing but he's he seems to kind of live on the edge so he's ready at all times um and that's another another interesting thing actually about about the character if you think about you know one thing we haven't touched on which is it kind of relates to all this stuff is obviously he's an athlete he competes in these athletic events fencing probably the most combat based of his sports but from the outset of like you know fleeing uh fleeing his german team punching people, fighting people, throwing people, drags a guy over the over the um, the toilet wall and like smacks his head down the toilet and all this kind of, he seems to have quite a, a violent outburst and a violent streak for somebody who's meant to be, he's, you know, he's not, this isn't a, a boxer or a fighter. He's like a, a runner and a swimmer. And he, he like, he kicks everyone's ass. And as you say, he kicks, kicks guys off bikes. And, and when he picks up a gun, he can shoot. I mean, to be fair, he's, he shoots as part of his, um, as part of his, um, his, you know, his competitive events. But yeah, he's a guy. He's, he's not really, we don't really see him as somebody who's, who's cut into the action mold, but he, uh, adapts to these kinds of situations very quickly. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. But I feel like, some of these situations, maybe it might have served the character better if they had made him, like you said, a boxer or a fighter in some kind of way. I don't know. But they are yeah. able to escape to Julia's father's home in the woods. Uh, Mueller and his team arrive. Uh, their, their, their goal is to kidnap Eric and set him up for, you know, the, the crime that they are about to commit. Um, you know, one, one of the ideas that I had that I would have liked to see that I think might have might have served the film a little better and I guess this was surprisingly, and I didn't, I actually came up with this before I took a look at the initial uh, plot synopsis and script, but, you know, he is in the woods and we get to see, like you said, there is a fencing battle in the woods that, you know, comes off as a little more ridiculous than anything else. But what I wonder, what I think might've, might've been interesting is if the film had become first blood in a sense, you know what I mean? He is in yeah. the woods, he is alone, he is being tracked down, you know, his past has come back to you know, to finish what they started. And he is forced here. Here's a man who is, you know, not from a world of violence, but he is forced to rely on 
his training and his skills as this superb Olympic athlete to survive. So we get to see a scene of him in the wilderness. You know, he is having to swim down a river or he is having to, you know, jump on a horse to outrun, you know, <laughs> to, to, to outrun his, his, his attackers. Something like that, I feel like, might have served the film much better and, and would have been definitely, in my opinion, more exciting. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's, it's hard because with any situation like this, you, you can always say it's like, what if they did this? What if they did that? And, you know, yeah, maybe I'm sure it would have been more interesting, but it's just, I don't know, it's very difficult to envision it other than what we see. Um, but he does, you know, yeah, he 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 does fight back, but he flees a lot, which is, I guess, at least realistic. Uh, even even uh, towards the end, where he's being held hostage in the van while there's, uh, you know, a, a terrorist attack unfolding. He doesn't kind of escape. If you remember, he doesn't escape so quickly. He's actually kind of in handcuffs for a long time until he kind of is able to fight his way out. And certain situations like this, I think even the going, going back to what we were just talking about with the, the fencing fight, you know, you think something's going to happen, like the fencing sword's going to stab someone, even though it's got like that little ball on the end of the sword, <laughs> you know, you think something, he might be able to finish a guy or do something. But actually, I think in the end, uh, the guy gets shot by, by Mueller, you know, he shoots his own man. Um, so I guess to the credit of the character as well, um, this, the character of Eric doesn't actually do too much killing throughout the film or he does it in very extreme situations where he has to, which maybe in a way does play into the, the survival aspect. So now as we, as we move into the <laughs> near the end of the film, uh, Mueller, yeah, they're successful. They kidnap Eric. They shoot Chris, like you mentioned. They shoot Julia's dad, like you mentioned. And yeah, they kidnap Eric. Their entire plan, and I can't help but wonder, and I'm, I'm assuming that this is one of the things that was that was done in the in the latter phases of the of the script as they were changing it before the film, before the cameras officially went rolling. But their entire plan is is kind of muddled and doesn't make a heck of a lot of sense. So if I understand them correctly, their, their plan is to assassin, uh, excuse me, assassinate. The, the what is it the german ambassador at a peace rally uh spread their hate message yeah. and then set eric up for for the crimes you know since he defected from germany mm -hmm. this would make him appear to be the ultimate bad guy is that pretty much their plan i think so yeah that sounds right <laughs> like i said it, it doesn't make a heck of a lot of sense it, it's one of yeah. the it's one of the aspects of the film that just comes completely out of left field and doesn't it doesn't gel yeah. with with everything that it, we had seen prior yeah. Well, one one thing, the only thing that kind of, well, I shouldn't say the only thing, but one key aspect that kind of jarred with me a little bit in this is their uh, their plan to infiltrate the uh, this political event is very very lazy and <laughs> last minute. They basically they just they have like a news van, a German news van. And they drive up to the security gate and it's just like, oh, you're not on the list. And then the guys are just like, oh, yeah, we're late. And then they're basically able to um, they're just able to kind of, talk, you know, fast talk their way in. It's like if that was the whole scheme, what if security didn't let them in? That's basically their only shot <laughs> to get inside. But they managed to kind of fast talk their way inside and then um, and then things unfold from there. But it's just, you know, I would have thought um, a terrorist group might have a more a cleverer, more uh a more strategic way to kind of sneak inside or have someone planted on the inside first or open a gate or something. But it's literally, they just drive, basically drive through the front door. They're, they're not strategic really at all. I mean, we, we kind of, we no. glossed over it, but the scene where they're trying to tap the, the phone line at Kreese's, at Kreese's hamburger restaurant and yeah. the, the one athlete comes in the, the one German athlete, excuse me, comes in with his boom box and starts blasting the music. Yeah. 
you know, it's it's hilarious. I, I gotta wonder if they were were they planning on it looking as ridiculous as it comes off because it it does not play. It doesn't play nowadays. In 1994, I, I wonder how it played because the scene is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But it looks like uh, Crease is enjoying it. Crease is kind of having a laugh with us. So maybe it's more self aware than we're giving credit. Doesn't he even make a comment along the lines of something along the lines of I don't. I don't listen to or I don't enjoy that that homeboy shit or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. and then the other guy says, "Oh, I love it," and starts and starts uh, dancing. I guess if yeah. you want to call it that to um, to <laughs> to the best R and B music they could yeah. find in the public domain. I'm assuming at that time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But meanwhile, I guess it's a good distraction because mean, meanwhile his his cronies are doing some bad shit outside. So you know, it's a good distraction. So. They set Eric up, or excuse me, they're trying to set Eric up for this crime. Eric is able to break out of the van, um, which is really cool, just watching him just you know shatter through the van. He is able to grab a pistol, and because he is this sharpshooter crack shot, I mean, you know, pistol shooting is one of the events in, in the pentathlon, he is able to defuse the assassination plot by shooting the assassin, getting ready to fire the rocket launcher at this at this peace rally. Probably the best action sequence in the entire film. I, I will yeah. give it credit because it is a cool it is a cool scene just seeing Dolph one handed with the pistol, you know, one shot, blow the sky away. It is a pretty cool scene. Yeah. Yeah, but doesn't he uh, correct me if I'm, I'm I think he doesn't he like shoot the missile she shoots the rocket, he shoots the missile because there's a huge explosion. Unless the guy was shot shoots downwards it's like he he fires a single shot and the guy basically blows up and that that's what yeah that's what i assume too he shoots the rocket yeah, itself yeah, yeah. and that creates this yeah, big explosion yeah. that i'm assuming okay. uh killed the the assassin as well so yeah sure so and then um i believe but but david soul's character actually is, he flees and he's able to escape isn't he he is able to escape and yeah this is again the the film just moves at such a quick pace without a heck of a lot of time to really process what has happened. So we see Lundgren, he is apprehended by the police. You know, he isn't, he isn't the, the suspect, but he is apprehended by the police. And the film just goes right to him being cuffed by the police to the next Olympic trials and him running a race. And we see him in the lead. We don't get to see him suiting up for this race. We, there, there's really no buildup whatsoever. It's just him getting cuffed, yeah. next shot, he's in the middle of a race in the lead. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's scenes like this that would lead me to think that maybe in, in addition to obviously the script being changed and things being, being altered maybe shortly before filming, there's possibly a lot cut. Like maybe there are a lot of scenes out there that could make up a director's cut and would, you know, would give a bit more. Maybe they, I mean, it's a pretty lean film. I think it's like 97 minutes or something like that. Um, and it's kind of like really skips. It, I think after the big scene we've just talked about, it skips a bit too fast along to suddenly have this you know, what is supposed to be the climax, which takes like a couple of minutes and then the film ends. Um, there could have been a bit more of a breathing room gap, I think, between these scenes. And there's, yeah, there's no explanation as to, you know, how did he get out of the, you know, uh, get out of police custody or get out of trouble? Because he probably would have been in a lot of trouble after what had happened uh, in the previous scene. Um, or how I think David Soul's character, this is presumably a, a period of time has passed, I think we could say, but it doesn't, David Soul's character turns up to the final event he looks he looks like a homeless guy right right he looks homeless he's like he's not back in a suit yeah he's like what's was he what's he been doing you know all this time well and he's wearing the uh i did i did kind of like that yeah he he's we he appears to be this alcoholic living on the streets and yeah he's wearing his 
is German windbreaker. You know, again, he's he's very pro-Germany. He's very proud of his nationality, his country. And so he just walks onto the track with his with his pistol. He's planning on shooting Eric. And it it is an interesting scene because we see him, you know, he has this look on his face where he has an appreciation and a love for Eric as he's about to shoot him. I don't know if you noticed that or not. He kind of opens up his arms like he's getting ready to hug him. And so if they were going to if they were going to make the movie about this this tortured relationship between an athlete and his coach then i could see that angle that angle working because you know he he's pretty much it looks like he's getting ready he's ready to embrace the fact that he is going to die but he is going to kill his his prize athlete his prize pupil yeah. and yeah. lundgren sees him he's able to tackle him a uh, a wrestling match ensues and mueller is shot Cut to yeah. credits. Yeah. Movie ab- ends yeah. incredibly abruptly. But what's yeah? I mean, what's interesting, isn't it? It's like I think, uh, for, um, you know, we should say that uh, I think a police officer initially apprehends um, Mueller for a moment, and then Mueller escapes, and then so we're kind of forced into this situation where yeah, Eric has to. Put, grab the gun, pull the trigger, and shoot. And it's with a Luger, no less. I think so. It's actually right. the the German gun that um, that that Mueller had. But I guess it wouldn't have been as satisfying if if uh, Eric didn't even uh, didn't deliver the kill shot. That would have been a bit of a letdown, a kind of an anticlimax. At least he gets to do it. But then, yeah, it's quite abrupt the way the scene then closes into the credits. So I don't. Know, what, what what do you think? Do you think there's there's uh, more scenes out there? Maybe maybe in some archive or storage somewhere. I don't know because I know the initial script and the initial story. The again, the the idea that Lundgren had signed on for that he was planning on shooting that he was excited for it did not end this way. It did not. It none none of yeah. this was included. So yeah, I, I would yeah. like to see. I don't know if there's a deleted scene or not, but I would personally really appreciate and know if there there was a little bit more because when I almost feel like the, I I would accept the film a little bit more if maybe it ended him winning the gold again at the Olympics and maybe the, the shot fades out of him standing on top of the podium, getting the Olympic gold once again, and then it fades to credits, but it just fades to credits of him lying on the ground. At least he won the race, I guess. Right. <laughs> so. Yeah. 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 And um, yeah, I don't know. It's uh yeah, it's an abrupt end, but he's got, I guess he's, he's on the ground. He's won. He has his girlfriend with him again. The bad guy's dead. So in a way, it's a, it's a pretty complete ending. I guess so. So um, I'll let you go first. Mike, in your opinion, does Pentathlon get a recommend, not just as a film itself, but as a Dolph Lundgren vehicle? Um, it's, it's an interesting one. It's kind of a, a difficult question to answer because with a lot of this stuff, and I, I would say this about a lot of movies, a lot of different actors or filmmakers movies who I like, and even, you know, you could say it for records or books or other stuff as a standalone thing. If, if, if you've got a friend who hasn't really seen many Dolph Lundgren movies and you're going to, Oh, cool. I'll loan you some DVDs. I'll loan you some Blu-rays. Sure. Check this one out. You know, it's, this isn't going to be top of the list. You've probably got like a top five or a top 10 or maybe even a top 20. Yeah. That wouldn't include this in terms of your, your top recommendations. But if you're interested in someone's career, if you're interested in the kind of the arc of the work, um, you know, for these kind of maybe something a bit different or unconventional from the norm, I, I would recommend it. And it, it, I guess it depends on your level of interest or your kind of like the academic insight that you apply to this stuff. And obviously for you, like you doing this podcast, we, you know, we're talking about, you, you know, even the less celebrated or the less glamorous movies. 
which is still interesting to us. And there's obviously a lot of people out there. So I guess it depends who you're talking to. Um, if you're a Dolph Lundgren fan, I would, I would recommend it. Uh, and I think, you know, there's still, it's got its merits and there's, there's, uh, there's a lot of interesting stuff to, to talk about. What do, what do you think, Sean? Do you, do, you, do you agree with me? And do you, do you see what I mean from that point of view? Yeah, no, I, I agree with you completely. You know, I feel like recommending this one, it, it's an extremely tough one. This is an odd, like, at the beginning of the episode when I said it's a it's a sports drama, action thriller thing, it's 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 a tough one to take a look at because it is it is all over the place. Um, I want to like it. I really do. And you can tell that it does have a lot going for it. Um, as a London film, I, I would recommend it because I do think it is a great role for Dolph. And you have to appreciate the yeah. fact that the production, this film, got Lundgren in contact with the U.S. pentathlon team. And he has since fostered this relationship, uh, you know, helping promote the sport, helping get the sport out there. Yeah. As a film itself, though, I would have to say no, because it's it's really yeah. not a great sports drama because it's an incomplete sports drama. It's really not a good action yeah. thriller because it's in it's an incomplete action thriller and yeah. you know as a result it's just it's not not a very complete film the sports scenes are yeah. simply just not exciting the action sequences are more humorous and more <laughs> are, are more funny <laughs> than than action packed and the whole the whole disjointedness of the film is just way too distracting and lastly you know i've, I've said this before but you know Lundgren, I feel like if you're looking at Dolph Lundgren, if you're looking at Scott Atkins, if you're looking at any of these stars, I think their most memorable films are going to be the films that have a memorable villain. You know, I mean, I and I, I yeah. mean, this something that Hitchcock used to say, your film is only as memorable as the villain. And so if your villain is is memorable, then I feel the film, in my opinion, rises up a few notches. And unfortunately, David Soul's villain, he, he, David Soul is doing an OK job in this role. But the villain is just so confusing in terms of his motivations and his his just entire character arc that I can't recommend it on on that on that angle either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I mean, I you know, I I agree, I agree with all those points. I just I I, I would I would go back to a similar thing to what you said. I think it's it's so kind of unique and it's it does stand out, and I do think it's memorable. And Dolph, you know, gives a very good performance, and he is underrated as an actor. So if you were looking at his different dramatic performances, I think this would probably sit among you know a, a, a among the stronger ones. I know that now. At this point in time, he's done a lot more since. I mean, this is, you know, how, you know, this is a, a long, a long time ago. I think in 1994, and obviously then followed Men of War and other movies where he gave more good performances. Now we're kind of used to it. We're a bit spoiled maybe with a lot more dramatic performances. But at that time, it was probably one of his best, best so far. Would, would, would you agree with that? Oh, yeah, most definitely. I, I think his, his acting in this film definitely definitely is up there with some of his some of his better performances and luckily like you said he followed this one up almost immediately with what i would say is probably one of his best films men of war men of war is is just an amazing piece to take a look at because it is i would say yeah actually i would go out there and say it right now before i get to this episode but yeah men of war i think is probably lundgren's best best acting piece probably that i have seen him in and the film is just so action-packed all around. You have to love it, you know, um, for that yeah. as well. Um, but with regard to Pentathlon, you know, hey, they all can't be winners. You know, uh, Van Damme, as, as much appreciation as I have for, for Jean-Claude, you know, he has quite a few films under his belt that I imagine he did for, for a paycheck, you know. <laughs> so, you know, like I said, they all can't be winners. But um, Pentathlon is, it, it's an odd one to take a look 
back at. And I, I hope anyone who is listening, if they can find it and get their hands on it, it is I, all these gripes aside as a performance from Lundgren, I would I would definitely um, put it up there yeah. for that reason. Yeah, no, definitely. Dolph fans, check it out. Yeah. So before I let you go, is there is there anything that you would like to plug? We talked about your book, and I know that you said that you have a a second one uh, in the in the makings. But is there anything else that you're working on, sir? Just have a think. I mean, no. I think for me, I mean, you know, busy with a lot of different stuff, but the book's definitely the main the main priority. But I just say to anyone, you know, if you're a fan of Dolph or any, we talked about these other other actors like uh like scott adkins and you know donnie yen and other people like this who who are featured in in my book life of action if you're interested in those movies and those guys you know please do check out the first book i really appreciate it and hopefully you know it's something that everyone would enjoy because it hopefully gives a it's a different insight and a different perspective on movies much like the podcast you know we're doing right now we get to kind of talk about things and break things down and i just hope that people people enjoy the second book as well once it's out well, and I, you know, we didn't talk about it, but actually the other day, um, it was actually about, well, I say the other day, it was actually about a week ago, I was watching uh, Green Street Hooligans 3 uh, with Scott Atkins, and mm -hmm. I believe I believe you have a role in that. Is that correct, sir? <laughs> yeah, that's correct. Yeah, so I just did um, just some small, uh, very small minor stunt work on that. Um, so, you know, I've done, like I said, I've, I've done fight choreography work and other, other things like that. But some of these movies, I'll just be like a goon or something like that, which is always fun. Um, and actually in that movie, um, it's very different. Although, you know, the, the Green Street sequels are kind of unrelated to the first movie, the first one with, um, Elijah Wood. Um, then there was a second movie and this third one is more like a, yeah, it's a tournament, more of a kind of a tournament fight film shot in, in London. And it's kind of, it's got that 80s vibe. The director, a uh, guy called James Nunn's really, really good filmmaker, really good guy, um, and had a really interesting vision to make this. It's kind of like a throwback 80s style tournament movie, which was really fun. And um, obviously Scott Adkins, the stars in the movie, as you mentioned, and um, the fight choreographer is a, is a good friend of mine called Joey Anser, um, who also plays, he's kind of the co-star uh, lead role alongside Scott. Um, and he's best known from Born Ultimatum. Uh, he, he, created and directed the street fighter assassin's fist uh tv series which is which is really great um and he's also in life of action so you know we've got we've got a good relationship and i've known him for a long time and he was the fight coordinator on the movie as well as acting so he hired some of his his buddies to come in and be goons and get beat up so I, that's how i got i got to be involved in that one Wow. Very cool. Very cool. Well, hey, Mike, I sure appreciate you coming on and uh, joining me for this one. And I, I hope I hope you'd be willing to come back because there are still quite a few films yeah, in the filmography yeah. of Dolph. So um, please, please, yeah, I, sure. I'd love it if you'd be willing to come back. Yeah, no, definitely, Sean. I really appreciate, uh, like, you know, I mentioned to you before, I obviously appreciate being asked. Uh, but also, you know, I really dig what you're doing. And it's cool to have a podcast like this. It's something quite different uh to to have a uh kind of an in-depth insight you know because you can easily you, can, you could talk you could skim through an entire career but to actually talk film by film and really break it down it's actually quite challenging and it makes you really go back and you know go back and dig dig through the film and re research and analyze it and with a film like this like we talked about it's quite a challenging one but i enjoyed the challenge as well so if you've got films in the future that are going to be quite challenging to talk about i'm 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 up for i'm up for doing that i'm curious is there anything coming up that you uh you know at the moment that you're thinking okay yeah that's definitely a dull film that i need to talk about is there anything anything on the horizon um let's have a think i'm not sure off the top of my head um i'll get back to you <laughs> but 
I know that sometimes some because we we I, I won't I won't um I won't name the films, but we we talked about a few different movies, didn't we? Before we agreed finally on Pentathlon. Right. Um, not that I didn't want to do Pentathlon. Of course, I'm happy to do it, and it's been cool. But it's just like we said, it's a more difficult one to talk about. Um, I'm sure some of the the easier movies to talk about might get <laughs> might get taken early. Um, but we can talk. We'll talk more about you know about which which ones to. I'm 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 such a big fan. I mentioned earlier, I'm a big fan of Dolph's directing career. So um, any of his 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 directorial projects, I think, will be really fun to talk about. Right on. Awesome. Awesome. Well, hey, Mike, I sure appreciate it. Thank you so much. And to everyone out there who is listening, please feel free to rate and review the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever else you go to subscribe. We always appreciate the reviews. And we'll see you all next time on I Must Break, this podcast. Mm -hmm.